Beloved, we turn in our Bibles to Psalm 46 this morning as you have just sung together. And we're going to look at verse 10. We've looked at verse 10 before. Uh, We've come to this psalm several times for sermons, including focusing on verse 10. And I'll explain to you why we're back here again this morning in a moment. But uh, let's look at verse 10. Because we just sang the whole psalm, I won't read the whole psalm. We will look at a few verses in the sermon. Uh, I would a lot of times read the whole context. It's not that long. But as we just sang it together, I'd like to focus on verse 10. Hear it now. Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Let me read that once more. And of course the way I'm reading and I am, I am intending to emphasize what I'd like to focus on with you this morning. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. That's what we'll focus on, but the context is important. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. May the Lord bless the reading, the preaching, the hearing, the believing, and the obeying of his holy word. Again, I've preached on Psalm 46 before. We've looked at the refrain, God is our refuge, a very present help for us. We've looked at that refrain. It comes up several times. Uh, We've honed in on this verse before. And uh, so why are we doing it again? I mean, one thing a pastor can be concerned about is, well, do they want to hear it again? But I think this verse, we benefit from it again. And I think we all know that... uh, There's always room we can forget things so easily, and we can definitely forget to be still. And I submit to you that I think you and I are going to be in great danger as soon as we leave the parking lot to not be still in our hearts. So may the Lord work on us more this morning. I was thinking about how a number of your weeks had gone this week, and I was thinking about it as I left my office and I went over to the coffee place, and I'm getting my coffee, and I... I'm kind of dealing with my own need to be still at the moment. I'll spare you the details. Uh, Nothing so traumatic and difficult, just the way a day can go. A lot of times, well, that's not how I was planning my day, so now how am I going to get that done? And how's that going to affect this day and the next day? Yada, yada, you know. And I just, I look up and I'm thinking about, I'm going to have to go to, I'm going to have to go to topical sermons. I'm not going to have the time to properly give the attention I need for the exegetical sermons and kind of thought I would be. And I, I'm not quite as desperate as it might sound, but I'm, I, I turn as I'm waiting for my coffee, and I look to the wall where the renters have put a number of lovely plaques on the wall of the new office, and my eye just immediately lands on, be still. And I said, yes, sir, and that's it. I just, I hope and trust that that's what we're supposed to come back to today. And that the Lord will bless us with it. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. But be still and know what I want to really hone in on today. Be still. I needed it. I expect we all need to hear it right now. 
I think I'm seeing in your faces an amen to that. And already, just to hear that, I almost feel like I could stop. I can see, be still from the Lord's voice alone is enough, but uh, you pay me, let me continue, please. (laughs) No, really for the Lord's glory, he is worthy of our attention, but he calls on us to begin that we would hear anything from him, that we would benefit from anything of it, and most importantly of him, that we would be still. And I want to say it's not always negative things, right? I have observed, and I know it's the case for me too, sometimes it's all the good possibilities that we still have to try to figure out, get done on time, or make decisions. It's not always a bad thing. But it can trouble us to where we forget to be still. Let me review the point of this text in its context as I preached it for you when I focused on this verse before. The way to have peace of heart and mind in this raging world is to know that God is on his throne. Don't we say that a lot of times, or we try to encourage others, we start to act like everything's out of control, we're out of control. Jesus is on his throne. God is sovereign over all things. He has a plan, and as we know from Romans 8, verse 28, he's working out all things, even bad things, for the good of them that love him. Only for the good of them that love him. But indeed, all things for the good of them that love him. Before I continue, I know you've heard this before, but it's so helpful to be reminded. As we think of Romans 8 verse 28, pretty sure the Puritan Thomas Watson has said this and said it best. But I think I heard it of others before him and then of others after him. And it's helpful to always be reminded. Anyone like, eat, anyone like to eat cake? Uh, you don't have to say, I like to eat cake too much. I know that's one of the things I need to work on for better witness for you over here. But does anyone like to eat the ingredients of cake separately? No. Okay, I don't believe you. <laughs> okay, we're going we're gonna to do a case study and test him later. Okay, you want to have a nice handful of salt? Take that down. Or baking soda, right? But when you have cake all together, it's delicious, right? I know we all like our different kinds of cakes and different emphases, but it's, I heard it on the radio not long ago. Again, it's such a helpful reminder. All the different things in life are necessary ingredients for that cake that you get to eat. If you leave out the salt, if you leave out the baking soda, different things. It's fun to watch uh, Chad and Rachel always working with their bread uh, uh, oven, their bread machine, and have us nice fresh bread every Lord's Day. But sometimes they'll have predicaments that come up, and it's usually they forgot a certain ingredient. And it's still enjoyable, but it's not the same, right? And when you have all the ingredients, some of them are salty or bitter. You'd never eat them on their own, but they're necessary to have the cake, to have the bread. And God is using all things for the good of them that love him. The sermon on this verse, the first time we preached it, is to be still knowing God. Be still in your knowing of God. Be still in your relating with God. Be still so that you can hear these things throughout the week in your devotions. But of course, be still with the Lord right now and be able to hear what he has to say. It's very possible good or bad things could have you distracted body and mind and you may not hear a thing. Even be still. You ever had that with your children? Ever had that with yourself and even with others? Hey, be still. Uh-huh. No, I'm serious. Stop. Pay attention. And sometimes, no, I won't. <laughs> you know, we have to do it to ourselves sometimes, right? Be still. Snap out of it. Quiet down. Listen. Be still 
knowing God. Or today, I present it to you a little bit of a twist. Be still before God in his presence. Sit at the feast of Christ. Listen to his voice. Be still so you can know God. I submit to you, if the Holy Spirit doesn't do a work on us, we don't hear a thing. Because we won't be still. Be still before God, beloved. Sometimes we have the idea to grab and grip something and hold tight with all our might. Like when a ship is at sea during a storm, wouldn't that be our sense to do that, right? What was Jesus doing? Sleeping. And he said, why so little faith? And he spoke out and calmed the storms. We'll look at some of those scriptures. But there's that sense of like we're supposed, maybe we think we're being still, right? Holy good. But really, there's no stillness. There's shaking, tense. That's not, what's in, that's not what's in view here. The Hebrew word, remember, for be still uh, has the idea of to slacken your grip. To loosen. Don't hold so tight. Relax. As Gabriel likes to remind us from a video we enjoy a children's program when we're struggling not to get upset. And he helps mommy and daddy remember this sometimes as we help him remember. Take a breath. And it's funny, mommy and daddy will say, yeah, that really helps. Be still, relax. It even has the idea of sink. Now that's striking considering we don't want to drown, right? But look at the context. It might not feel the natural thing to do is to relax and loosen. When everything feels crazy and crashing around you. But much of the psalm is about that. Look at verse 1. God is our refuge and strength. Don't miss that. Be still and know God. But look at the context. A very present help in trouble. And be reminded, if you become Christians, you have more trouble, the Bible says, not less. Because as we see in some of the context, now the world and Satan is going to come after you. Verses 2 and 3. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. There's that musical note there. Selah. Has the sense of a pause. Maybe not a fermata, but a pause. Selah. Be still. So verse 1, there's trouble. Verses 2 to 3, a lot of rough weather. Anybody worried about that right now? Anybody concerned about that? I know we get it pretty good in San Diego, but we're always wondering when's the next big earthquake. And there's apparently going to be one, and it's going to be with the kind of effects like we've seen in Turkey. There's always something, because we're in a sin-scarred world that is under God's wrath. And all these things are witnesses to be still and be made right with God while we may. And once we are to trust God, whatever's going on, we can be still. In trouble, in rough water, in political upheaval, verse 6. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. We know the scriptures say that the, uh, all of the kinds of weapons will be beaten into farming utensils, right? We'll have peace. 
will have peace at the second coming of Christ. He comes to give peace in himself as the suffering servant. He returns not on a donkey, but on a white horse, conquering and to conquer, and he will remove all warfare. But in the meantime, we don't need to fear all those things going around. doesn't mean we shouldn't have concerns, and doesn't mean we shouldn't be mindful of our citizenship of the earthly kingdom we're born in and be thankful for it and wish for its peace. But political upheaval, all the problems, should not have Christians as frantic As we are in America. And putting too much hope in a man, especially, I'm sorry, ungodly men, and think we're going to have peace with God when we continue to violate his law and shake our fists and say he's not our God and he's not our king. Because we do the opposite of what he says. We kill children and make it legal. We make it legal to have homosexual marriages. We are making the entire world tell boys and girls to be the opposite and setting up the context to make it and force it happen in our libraries and in our schools and in their bathrooms. We cannot expect peace in our nation that way. But we as the citizens of the kingdom of heaven can wherever we find ourselves. And we're to be calling people to Jesus if we want that peace, but we can have it with him. Because there's no hope in this world until the second coming of Christ. There will be no perfect peace until the Prince of Peace, the governor, comes and brings it to his people and gets rid of everyone else who will not bow the knee. Political upheaval, while we're aware of it, we cry out to it, it doesn't have to knock us off because Christ is on his throne. And our hope is in nothing less than Jesus Christ reigning over heaven and earth. As he takes the throne on the earth back from Satan in the end. God says, be still. You remember what R.C. Sproul has said about this in the verse? (laughs) Yeah, I see you mouthing it. Shut up. I know we tell our children, usually it's not nice to say shut up, but sometimes dad says it when that's all. It's time to shut our mouths. It's time to shut up all the voices around us and be still. Listen. Maybe we should say it this way. Shh. Maybe the way we would lull a baby or a child back to sleep. The important thing is to be still, to know the Lord God is in control. Of course, we need him and his Holy Spirit to do that to us, to work that in us. But he calls on us in faith to respond to him like that. Remember in Philippians, how much was said in the fourth chapter about if you want the peace of God that passeth all understanding and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, then give over your cares in prayer. Stop worrying. Stop being anxious. And trust God and give it to him in prayer. And you'll immediately have peace. It doesn't take away the problem. It takes away your problem with it. And then later he says, not long after, think about the right things. Stop thinking about these things. Think about these things. And the God of peace will be in your midst. And you'll have peace within your midst together. 
Oh, it doesn't mean you're not going to stop sinning and cause each other's problems, but you'll know how to be peacemakers. You'll know how to be still and stop before the Lord. May he help us. The important thing again is to be still, to know God is in control. However things seem out of control, God's in control. Jesus is the king of kings and he sits on his throne. He's conquered death. He's risen from it. He's conquered Satan and sin. No one will knock him off his throne. But to do that, you must, again, first be still. So let us be still before the Lord and hear from his word. Other times in the scriptures regarding stillness as the solution with troubles. Now, I don't want to suggest that it's always stillness. There are other scriptures and other sermons that say sometimes faith is get up and move following the Lord when he's made it clear. Step out in faith when he hasn't parted all the clouds to understand, but he's clearly told you. But there are a number of scriptures in the right context that I think relate to the context of Psalm 46 today that will help us. First, First Samuel 9 verse 27 And as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Bid the servant pass on before us. And he passed on. But stand thou still a while, that I may show thee the word of God. Perhaps Saul didn't stand still enough in the end. But beloved, may we hear that to us. Stand thou still a while, that I may show thee the word of God, so that you know God, that you know him savingly, and that you know him as you are sanctified in him in how you handle this life. 1 Kings 19, verses 12 to 13. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire... A still, small voice. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? All this noise and ruckus, that's not what God was in. Of course, he's behind it. But to be able to hear God, it's in the stillness. Even with all the ruckus around us, as we'll see. Psalm 46. Exodus 14, verse 13. This is one we, I think, are more familiar with and can appreciate. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. What's the context there between a rock and a wet place? (laughs) I got the rock behind me. I'm cornered. I got the Red Sea ahead of us. Hasn't been parted yet. The Egyptians are in our tail. Stand still, Moses says. Watch God deliver you. And in fact, that's the point of the things God lets us go through to show that he is the God of Jacob, our God, our refuge, our help, the only help. 
He shows this as he delivers us. But if we all go frantically scattering about in different directions, we won't be still following the voice of the Lord through the Red Sea that he's about to part. Still, with the waters raging around us, I always think about the walls on both sides, and I always wonder, did they see sharks? And that would have been enough to make me nervous again, you know, but be still. I have these walls of water still. There and no further, says the Lord. The animals won't get you. Enjoy this temporary aquarium of the Red Sea, if you will, and bring you to the other side. And then on their other side, and destroy all their enemies that they were worried about. But he says, be still, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Most importantly, knowing the delivery from Exodus, uh, from Egypt to the promised land is a type of Christ leading us out of this world and into eternal life in heaven. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Exodus 15, verse 16 celebrating that the Lord has done this now. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm, they shall be as still as stone. Till thy people pass over, O Lord. Till the people pass over which thou hast purchased. You be still. Watch how God's going to deliver you. He will make those pursuing you still as he delivers you. Those chariots and horses got stuck in the mud. Still as stone, though they're pursuing you. And then he drowns them. And they sing about that. Exodus 15, the song of Moses, reflected in Revelation 15. Numbers 9, verse 8. And Moses said unto them, Stand still, and I will hear what the Lord will command concerning you. Now think about this. There's a problem that they couldn't just be still before the Lord in Exodus 32. Remember what we've read in the morning readings recently. And so they had to make their false idols out of their gold and make these false gods that supposedly are the ones that led them through and delivered them from Egypt. They just couldn't be still and wait. Joshua 3, verse 8. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. Now, what is the context there? It's like going into the, it's the next parting of the waters. God is going to part the waters of Jordan. I pray the Lord lets me get through Deuteronomy with you and we get to Joshua. And they're going to go into the promised land after the reminder of all their way they're to live in Deuteronomy. And, well, there's this river in front of us. Well, there's no problem. Remember the Red Sea? Nothing. But the priests are to go in and hold the ark. And what are they to do? Stand still. And then God will part the waters after that. And the people pass by or pass them until they get to the other side. Then they are to move and then the waters come back through. Stand still. I want to call on the officers of the church, especially the elders. God's people need to see us have God's peace and stillness in the midst of all the challenges we face. There are plenty of different ways to express and deal with them in the scriptures. But ultimately, they need to see us be able to stand still, holding the ark, trusting God to part the waters, waiting on him to do so. As the waters go past our knees, maybe our thighs, 
But we know he will because he said he will. And then he will. And the people can pass by. Stand still. Joshua 10 verse 13. And the sun stood still. And the moon stayed. Unto the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. And this written in the book of, excuse me, is this not written in the book of Joshua? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down upon a whole day. Now we know this is figurative language. It's actually the earth that stood still. It looked like the sun stood still. Right? We still speak just like Psalm 19 does. The sun rises and sets and it runs across. We know that it's the spinning of the earth. We're speaking figuratively here. But that's even more uh, amazing to think about. What would happen if the earth stopped spinning? We would all fly off the surface into the death of space, as Ms. Cervantes mentioned, right? Well, how is it that they didn't? Because God is God. He can make the earth stop, leave the sun in its place, and nobody goes off the earth. Why? Because he's got the whole world in his hand. And he can do miracles, and he can do things differently than his secondary causes usually maintain. He's God. Be still and know that he is. Go get your victory. 1 Samuel 12, verse 7. Now therefore, stand still, that I may reason with you before the Lord of all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and to your fathers. That's what you're doing, especially as you come to worship and Sabbath class, Wednesday nights to learn. Be still before the Lord and remember everything he's done in the scriptures. Remember the redemptive history of what he's done for our fathers in the faith. And therefore trust he will do the same for you. Second, you know, that's a lot of why we can't be still is we forget what the scriptures teach us. Because we don't be still enough and long enough not only to read them but to digest them. And respond to them in quiet and prayer before the Lord. Let him do that to us here. Second Chronicles 20, verse 17. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord within you. It's pretty similar to Exodus 14, 13. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. See Christ delivering you from this world in eternity. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, be nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Nehemiah 8 verse 11, verse 10 being, no more crying. Yes, it's good that we cried because we we lost the law. We didn't know God's word. Now it's been restored and we weep over how much we've sinned against it, largely in ignorance, but he says, It's enough, you've repented, now it's time to rejoice. The joy of the Lord be your strength. And then he says in verse 11, So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. Remember one of the things Thomas Watson warned about as we finish studying the subtle ways Satan tempts us to sin thinking about the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer is an inappropriate worldly repenting where we, will, we refuse to be consoled. There's no stillness in that ultimately. Repentance is to restore us to God. 
Job 3, verse 13, a man who knew something about having to try to be still during a very difficult life. Job 3, 13, for now, should I have lain still and been quiet, I should have slept then had I been at rest. Job 37, 14, advice from the only wise advisor, Elihu, hearken unto this, O Job, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. You know, one thing I appreciate, I've heard uh, many commentators of Job say, is the question why, which is most of the book, is never answered. Because God is not obliged to answer the question why. The answer is only God. To whom, through whom, and from whom all things are. To him be glory alone. Ruth 3, 18 So Joab has likened Ruth and said, go back. I'm going to go see if I can get the rights to marry you. And Naomi says to Ruth, uh, you might be tempted to get up and get all excited. Just wait a minute. Ruth 3 verse 18. Then said she, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. Now, this is about the kinsman redeemer, which is a type of Christ. And remember, Ruth is part of uh, the birth of Christ, the genealogy of Christ. But this Ruth is about uh, um, Boaz being the kinsman redeemer. And what is she saying to Ruth? Be still. He won't rest until he gets the right to marry you. You who are a widow, haven't had children, are in a foreign land, but you've chosen my God to be your God. And that's the message for us. Jesus will not be still. He's not done until he's come back to deliver you. He will get his wife. He will bring you into his father's house. He will bring you into the new heavens and earth to enjoy him forever at the great supper, marriage supper of the Lamb. So be still as you wait on him to do so. Isaiah 23 verse 2. Be still. Ye inhabitants of the isle, thou whom the merchants of Zidon that pass over the sea have replenished. The isles usually particularly reflecting on the Gentiles. Acts chapter 8 verse 38. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. He was an Ethiopian eunuch, I believe. And notice, he's reading, it's either Isaiah or Ezekiel. He needs help understanding it. And he, says, and he asks for explanation. Philip explains what to do. And then his natural thing is, well, then I ought to respond. What's keeping me from being baptized? And he baptizes him. But what has to happen for that? He's got to be still enough to read the scriptures. He's got to be still enough to ask to have them explained. And then he's got to be still enough to respond to the gospel in Jesus Christ. Stop the chariot and go get baptized. And a lot of people are not really ever willing to just stop the chariot. And be yoked to Christ in his church. There's only peace with God in that. Revelation 8 verse 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Now you remember when we went through the Revelation years ago, I applied 
Psalm 46.10 as the message, be still and know that I am God. Why? Because again, as we'll see, Psalm 46 is certainly addressing the world as well. And the seventh seal is the final judgment that's about to open. And everyone waiting on Jesus, the only one who can open that seal and pour out his judgments. And those judgments you'll see are the vials of weather and war, all these things we should be witnessing to the world. We're in the last times. These are warnings to repent while you still can. The scary thing is it says most people never do. They don't stop the chariot. To trust in the chariots of fire. But the whole world is called upon in a moment. There's silence for half an hour. As they are waiting upon this final opening of the final seal of the beginning of the end of the world. And the soon coming of judgment from Christ in the air. Riding on a cloud like lightning with trumpets blaring. And the whole world will hear it. And the whole world will be still then. We need to be made still that we would be made right with God through Christ. Or there'll be never stillness in this life and certainly no peace or stillness in the next. And all of these things that are causing people to run around and scream, we ought to be silent and acknowledge they're coming from God. They're coming from Jesus Christ as judgments on sin on this world and a warning about final judgment if we don't stop the chariot Isaiah 30, verse 7. For the Egyptians shall help in vain. See, Israelites at this point are taking help from the Egyptians. The Egyptians shall help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore have I cried concerning this. Their strength is to sit still. Their strength is to wait on God alone to deliver them and not turn to anything or anyone else in the world as if they can. Only Jesus Christ delivers. Only in himself. And we need to be still to know he is God. Psalm 27 verse 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. The title for the sermon on that text years ago was, Your strength is in stillness. Remind yourselves, beloved, of Psalm 76, verse 8. Thou didst cause judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still. That would be judgment day. And control yourself with Psalm 4, verse 4. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune within your own heart upon your bed. And be still. Selah. I can't help but think I've appreciated observing uh, Mr. Lemon last week in a few weeks. He's been trying to fix his car. That explains uh, what you might see in the parking lot. (laughs) And uh, he's uh, working at 
he's lear- he knows a lot from his training with his family, and he's, he knows what to do. He's having a hard time getting it to fit. And I've observed that often. I can tell he's troubled by it. I can tell it's, as it would any of us, it's, I can tell that it's uh, wor- not worrying. It's, it's, it's just a troubling thing, of course. But I have noticed when he's dealing with it, what I observe is he's sitting still. And he's being quiet. And he's thinking. And he's waiting for the solution to come to him. He's a very good example to me. And that's the idea. Sit still like Mary before Jesus. Who in Mark 4, verse 39 says, it says of him, And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. The only ultimate answer for you for that in this life is To hear Jesus say to you, I rebuke you for your worry and the wind of it. And I say unto you, be still in me, regardless of what does or doesn't come of these things. Rather that I am coming for you. And then find that the wind of your worry does cease. And that your heart does calm with the peace of God that passeth all understanding and keeps your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus as the God of peace is in your midst together. Matthew eight twenty three to 26, similarly. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But he was asleep To be close to Jesus. Recognize the ship is in a storm and he's sleeping. Now naturally he's God and perfect and we are not. Nonetheless he's asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Beloved, within your stormy hearts, hear Christ's command to be at peace with God through him and have calm. Frankly, what better a command? I always say I'm so thankful for his command not to worry. Sometimes the only way I can stop worrying is simply because he has so commanded. But what, a, what kinder command could he give us? There's the calm. There's the peace. But most importantly, be still and know God savingly. To be saved from this world. To be sanctified in your pilgrimage through it. Make sure you make time to be still with morning devotions. With family worship. With prayer. And if you find yourself 
Not having very much time for the Bible. Not having very much time for family worship. Not have very much time for praise or prayer. Then hear this call today. You who must therefore feel like you're flurrying around in a hurricane. Trying to grab on and hold on. Be still. And know that I am God. I've got it covered. I've got you covered. Read your Bible. Be still enough to have time for that. And if you have to throw your smartphone out the window, do it! Preaching to myself. (laughs) Make time for prayer and with your families. I was so convicted by some readings by J.G. Voss in his book, Covenant of Grace. I was there for something else. You'll learn about later. But in the context, he talked about the importance of children as part of the covenant and the importance, the vital requirement of parents raising their children in the faith. And he was saying, if we don't raise our children in the faith with Bible study and prayer and family worship, which he was emphasizing, don't be surprised when they act like the world because we don't give them anything but the world to handle the world. We need to give our children this Call to be still. We need to have family worship and teach them be still physically. They can be still in their heart and hear. We need to ask people at family worship, shh. We need to call on people in church, shh. We have a call in our church five minutes before worship, please, shh. And that doesn't mean whisper quietly, because frankly, most of you don't whisper quietly. Don't talk, please. Be still and prepare your hearts so that you don't miss the voice of God and you don't cause others to be distracted by it. Shh. And make sure throughout the day, as all the waves crash and hit you and from sides you're not expecting, make sure to turn your eyes to that placard on the wall in your mind. Be still. Because even when we give ourselves to all these things preparatory, we're sinners, we're so easily tossed to and fro. We don't want to be the James one man. Catch yourself. Be still. Stop and pray. It occurs to me, one of those places I need to do it is while I'm driving and someone won't let me in or out (laughs) for no good reason. And I can just get flustered by that, including in front of the children. Just be still. Lord, help me through. All day, pray without ceasing. Every time you're facing a problem, be still. Know that I am God. If you won't be still, you won't. But it would seem that this verse, be still and know that I am God, especially in its immediate context, and then especially of what follows around it, before and after, God would seem to be addressing first, at least, the enemies of God, the world that rejects Christ and is fighting against him. Look at verse 10 again. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. All these nations up and rising, Psalm 2, again, a very interesting parallel. Jesus will dash them to pieces with his rod of iron. 
He will level it low. As John the Baptist says, preparing the way of the Lord, valley rose and up, mountains laid low, everything's going to be at peace. Hear the, the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ while you can. And it's a call out to those who are not Christians. He will be exalted by you. But if you don't exalt him now as your Savior and Lord, it will be at judgment day when you are forced upon your knees because every knee will bow, it says in Isaiah, quoted of Christ in the New Testament. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Every tongue will be forced to acknowledge the truth of Jesus Christ. And the warning is, all you nations fighting against him, if nothing else but from within, he will be exalted. Be still now while you still can, because I will be exalted, God says. Don't kid yourselves and think you have any control. I alone am in control. I alone am God. Be still and know me. While you can. Kiss the son, Psalm 2. Lest he be angry with you in the way. But blessed are all they that trust in him. Jesus says, eternal life is knowing the father. And him, the Lord Jesus, whom the father has sent. We need to be able to say, we know the voice of the good shepherd. You need to be able to say, I know the voice of the good shepherd. So that you can be delivered from this world and where it's going. The lake of fire. A lack of peace. Everlasting warfare. Shalom in the Hebrew particularly has the sense of a a lack of strife. A lack of warfare. So that you can have peace forever. That will spill into this world. That can't be remedied. Along the way. John Calvin and Matthew Henry draw this out in the first things they say about Psalm 46 verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. They point out that the verse is more addressed to the enemies of God. Though they rage against him, they will see he shall stop them. And thus his people in the world will have peace. And thus, as we stand behind God, as he declares his power to deliver us from our enemies. Matthew Henry says. Let his own people, with that in view, as if we're there clinging to him as he speaks to the world. Let his own people be still. Let them be calm and sedate. And tremble no more, but know to their comfort that the Lord is God. He is God alone and will be exalted above the heathen. Let him alone to maintain this honor, to fulfill his own counsels and to support his own interest in the world. Though we be depressed, yet let us not be dejected. For we are sure that God will be exalted. And that may satisfy us. He will work for his great name. 
And then no matter what becomes of our little names. When we pray, Father, glorify thy name. We ought to exercise faith upon the answer given to that prayer. When Christ himself prayed it, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it yet again. Amen. Lord, so be it. Being still isn't talking as much as listening. I think another good example, uh, I think it was last night, I was rocking one of the kids and Fernanda gave me a piece of paper and uh, it was her handwriting and uh, it was in Portuguese, so naturally, I think I know what it was, <laughs> and, uh, but it was from Philippians 4, pretty sure it was the part about not worrying, but trusting in the Lord in prayer and having his peace. And she said, I, I need to read this every day. But she had taken the point to write it out by hand and have it there to read every day. That's the idea. Listening to his word. Letting him speak to our hearts in his still small voice in the midst of all the chaos around us. Being still isn't talking as much as listening. It isn't moving as much as it is sitting silently. It's why we ask for this before worship. Prepare to be calmed by Christ in worship. Remember, how did they build the temple of Solomon? Quietly, they wouldn't even use tools. They didn't want to make a noise. Even before, That was the construction site. Let alone having it made in such a way that they could quietly assemble it at the place of worship. We have to prepare ourselves the same way, blood, before we get here. And certainly while we're here. To know God is in control and to be sure that you are exalting him, be still before him. Don't be chatting. Be silent. And may that be also in your minds and your heart. Be still so that he will move within your hearts and give you peace. It's not about knowing what to do primarily. It's about knowing God. That's what Christianity gives us. Remember what we heard again in the classes made in the image of God. Terry Johnson and his message to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Reflecting our larger and shorter first question and answer of the catechisms. He was pointing out that if we don't know our purpose to glorify God, there's no purpose. There's no peace. And all these people with all this money and all these riches, they literally kill themselves a lot of the time. And he quoted the one person, I forget which one it was. He said, I wish someone would have told me when I got to the end of my success, and I believe it was mostly in business. I wish someone would have told me when I got to the top, there was nothing there. You could say no one there, but myself alone. As Ms. Cervantes pointed out, the man who went up in space not long ago, as you can do that now, uh, said there's only death there. There's this emptiness, there's this expanse of depth. We need God. And then he fills the universe and he fills our hearts. What waves are crashing around you at the moment? As individuals, as a family, as a church, as a nation. What worlds are presently colliding in your life? Does life seem to be spinning out of control? 
God will be exalted regardless of how you handle it. But may you handle it with shalom. May you be still. As you humble yourself in stillness and have that as your first concern to be still and know God, he will exalt you in Christ all the way to heaven where there are no storms. The weather is always perfectly peaceful. And then whatever happens with the weather and things around you in the meantime is just a reminder of that last seal to be still as it's been opened, to be silent and know he is God and he is about to exalt himself. So, shh. Be still. While may, many things may seem, while everything may seem overwhelming, slow down and see that God is over all. And in the end, for you who are born again in Christ, it will prove to be a delicious birthday cake. And praise the Lord, it won't make me fat. In the meantime, be still before God. That is the message for you this morning. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Therefore, beloved in Christ, you be still before God. Let us pray. O Lord God, we make ourselves still before you. We quiet our voices, the voices of our mind, and the voices all around us. So that we hear your still small voice in the midst of the hurricane and the earthquake and the fire. And trust it's all from you. And you will lift us up out of it in due season. Most importantly, into eternal life and the new heavens and the new earth. Where there will be no reason to be called to be still except to give you glory in rejoicing. But we pray at this time that you work in us, for we confess our sinful fearfulness and our lack of faith. Let us trust, Lord Jesus, that though you are sleeping, it's because you are in control of the boat and of the storms. Speak to our souls to be still and let us be calm and enjoy your peace that passeth all understanding. Keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And, O oh Lord, let us control what we think about and how we think that the God of peace would be in our midst and this branch of the citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Though we go through many things and there are ways of dealing with that are biblical, ultimately that there would see, we would see, all would see the peace of your eyes smiling upon us. 
as in the eye of the hurricane. And once you bring us through the last part, we will be in perfect peace with our new bodies, our resurrected souls, with no problems of dangerous weather or dangerous people or death around us, but only everlasting life in your presence where there is fullness of joy at thy right hand where there are pleasures forevermore. Keep our eye on that and nothing less and make us still to hear you speak for thy servants are listening and help us throughout the week, Lord, every time we need to, to catch ourselves, to say to one another spiritually in the spirit, shh, be still and know God. And so we do as we close praying, saying as you taught your disciples, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.